Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are discussing Captain Marvel. It is finally here. All that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter code MCUCAST at checkout. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall. What do you think, man? Captain Marvel, eh? Matthew Carroll, it is so great to be here today, man. This this is a good day. This yeah, is man. a good day for Marvel Studios. Yeah, I agree. Captain Marvel was really good. Uh, we're going to do a little s- spoiler-free section and talk about Captain Marvel, what we thought, and then we're going to dive into spoilers. Uh, but we probably have a lot of new people joining us. When there's these big tentpole movies come out, we get a lot of new people. So we're the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. We cover everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, from the movies to the TV shows to the Netflix shows. So uh, you have found a place to hear us discuss these things. If you like what we do, subscribe, all those things. You found a home. We're right here. Welcome to the Loving Arms. <laughs> if you like these nerdy things, stick around. But today, we're talking Captain Marvel. So let's just get like some overall spoiler-free impressions of Captain Marvel. What do you think, my friend? Spoiler-free. Um, it's so hard to remain spoiler-free. It, it is indeed. <laughs> like... I have to carefully consider every single one of my words. I really enjoyed the film, and I think that the trailers did not do justice to Brie Larson's performance. Interesting. Okay. I I, I believe that she was far better than the trailers led on that she was going to be. And so the the movie is is hyper aware of the current socio-political climate and and kind of the the struggles that women have to deal with and it it gives a really solid message to to young women young young girls who will be looking to Captain Marvel as their hero you know the the one that they're looking up to and trying to embody sends a really good message to them and i uh you know being a parental figure of a young girl as soon as the movie ended i looked over to her and i was like what did you think and she's just like had one thumb up and I was like, you're killing me with this. I know that you're 10, but like, give me something. <laughs> Be more excited. Right. Um, like, no, I, I agree with you on all that. I think that, uh, I don't think it's actually hyper aware. I think that it does a good job of just telling a story of a human character, it, but there are definitely moments in here that give like clear nods to the current, uh, the current, female empowerment movement that is happening and we will get more into it in the spoilers. I thought some of them were really clever and fun and I, you know, I'm all about uh, I'm all about feminism. I think it's great and uh, I don't want to like sit here and harp on it too much because we're uh, two white cisgender dudes uh, sitting here talking about how great the uh, what we think about the gender politics of this, but... yeah. And what's even better is that we have an ad in this episode for men's clothing. Right, right. That's pretty funny. Uh, because, <laughs> ironic. This is, you know, that's the one thing. It's really interesting. Just, just talking about the makeup of my theater. Um, we, we go see these Marvel movies every time there's a new opening. And mine, there was a clear, like, representation of women in the audience. Like, there, there was way more women than men. At, at oh, my yeah. screening. Yeah, when we were walking out, 
I, I, you know, kind of did the, the the cursory glance around to uh, find, you know, see the see the general demographic, you know, and there were so many uh, th- like high school age girls in there. That's great, and you know, people that you don't normally see at this type of movie on a Thursday night. You know, they'll go on the weekend or whatever when they get dropped off or whatever. It's just a matter of these opening nights. Are like if you want to see something on Thursday night on opening night, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, um, I don't know that you know. I think we're close to spring break too, so that might account for some of the kids being out. If that makes sense, that's fair. Well, spring break down here uh, is next week. Okay, so, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, different schools are different, so I just didn't know. I know. Um, well, I do think that. Uh, it, it's just a matter if you're going to a, a 7 p.m. premiere or whatever, it's because you really want to see that movie. You're at the first possible showing of that movie. You're there to see it. And it's just, it shows that there's a certain excitement. It also shows that there's a certain, um, excitement among women, but maybe not as much men, which is kind of a bummer. Um, and the fan community, I'm a little concerned because not only was it almost, uh, I don't know, Far more women in the theater than men, but at the end of the movie, they didn't stay for the uh, stinger. Ugh. I've been in a lot of Marvel movies in the last ten, uh, ten years, and the, the theater doesn't move when the credits roll. And this time, all like like about half the theater got up, and they they didn't didn't know or didn't care that there were, were would definitely be post credit sequences. Oh man, and that post credit sequence was so good, both of them. Yeah, yeah. There's some pretty you know not to get spoilery, not to talk about what happens, but there are post credit sequences, and they're big. Uh, and <laughs> there's we, usually one that's like really big for the plot, and then one that's either trying to be funny or you know just kind of retagging a, a previous thought in the in the movie. Right. Well, and that's delivered on that. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 so the, I don't think it's spoiler to say there are post credit sequences. If you're listening to this, wondering if you should go see Captain Marvel, go and stay till the go. end. Get out of here and stay through the whole thing. And then come back. Yeah. Because we got to talk about it. So uh, I thought quality-wise, overall, this movie was really, really good. It was very different than previous Marvel movies. Kevin Feige kept teasing that, and it was it was very different. It did feel very different from from most Marvel movies. So for an origin story, it was it was a bit more uh, jarring, I'll say, in, in a non spoiler way. It it didn't feel like the standard formula for an origin story, you know. For sure. For sure, and it wasn't at all. I like it's so hard to say non-spoiler right now. <laughs> Even saying how the movie starts is a spoiler, but I do I do think it's fair to say I think that the movie starts in a different genre than it ends in. It does feel like it kind of combines genres. Like in the middle of the movie, it feels like it's a it's a '90s flick, like you know '90s nostalgia. Yeah. It's, it was but there's nostalgia. Like, it's it, here's here's what's interesting to me. The beginning of the movie is much more science fiction than I was expecting from this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It felt like a Star Wars movie or something, which I thought was actually a bold choice, especially given that this is tar- sort of going to be targeted more toward women. More women are going to go see it. 
um, I thought it was an interesting choice to make it so sci-fi for the first third. Then you get a spy movie for the next third, and then you get a superhero movie for the last third. And it just feels like very, very interesting. Um, yeah, I, and I they, don't think that's spoilery. Uh, <laughs> so if that's spoilery, yet. I'm sorry. But yeah, so you want to get into the spoilers? Do you want to just dive in? I feel like we've gotten through. We always go through as long as we can, but I think we're just there. I think we need to get into spoilers. Do we? Yeah. I think we, we just need to give one more general, like, this. this film did a really good job of telling the story that it needed to tell about Carol and... It did a really good job of blending those three genres of film together, in my opinion. It did a really good job of blending those three genres of film together to make this overarching story of how she comes into her own. And I think it's really, it's worth a watch. It's worth a couple of watches. I'm probably going to go again tomorrow. Yeah, I'm actually probably going to go in tomorrow as well. So if there's not a better endorsement, uh, than that, I think that me and, and Jeff are probably going to go tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, uh, one of the reasons my girlfriend hasn't seen it yet. So, as soon as uh, I'm off tomorrow, girlfriend hasn't seen it. So we're probably going to go. I, I went by myself tonight. I had for the cast, you know. I didn't want to go with, so I just went by myself. Um, okay, spoiler alert. Are you feeling it? Ah, uh, let's see. Let me get a good one. All right. Let me, we're, we're going to do a spoiler spoiler alert here, and on, on our podcast, when we do a spoiler alert, we go three, two, one, and then Jeff yells some Something spoiler. Spoiler. So, it's, if you oh. you've been warned, uh, I just didn't want anybody to think it was a passive spoiler alert. We're about to dive right in, and Jeff's probably going to spoil the movie for real. So, if you're checking the out the thing. cast and you haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, and you're leaving us, thanks for checking us out. Subscribe. Come back after you've watched the movie and finished this episode. We're going to get into a little more conversation now. In three, two, one. Goose is a flarkin. Goose is a flarkin. Now, to anyone who didn't see the movie, they probably don't. <laughs> that means nothing. That means not a that, damn thing. That sentence means nothing. So that's that's not a bad spoiler. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I don't know that, that even. Yeah, I guess it is. Kind of, but like, it, that's not even a spoiler because it's like Goose is a flarkin. Who's Goose? And even if you find that out, you don't even know what a flurkin is. What the flurk is a flurkin? I thought that was super fun. The way that Fury lost his eye was amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep, yep. It's good. Like I love, I love that about it because that means that throughout the entire rest of the of the canon in the MCU, he has just been like letting people kind of make up stories about how he lost his eye. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that a, a cat clawed it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was a flurkin. It was, but it was yeah, a cat. It, a cat clawed it, his face. He thought it'd be fine. I loved the like shaking of the head of that um, scroll behind him. Where of like, Talos, oh, yeah. Oh, no. No. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like we're doing a disservice to them if we don't focus a little bit up on Captain Marvel first. Oh, okay, you, I'm sorry. What did you sorry. think of Veers and, 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 and Carol Danvers? What did you think of her overall arc? Um, the way they presented her? Carol Danvers. Ha <laughs> mm-hmm. ha. I, like... I really appreciate the 
the emotional arcs that she went through. I think she went through some of it a little bit fast, but that's hmm. that's just a limitation of the genre and movies in general. Because like when a character it, it has lost their memories or something, they they have to be reminded of them in some way. And a lot of times in movies and in shows, it's like they see some photos or they experience one thing that just kind of triggers everything to come back all at once. And they're like, Oh yes, I remember my life now I can pick up right where I left off. Yeah. And you know, that may not necessarily be the way that it actually happens. Ever. Right. So it was, it felt a little rushed that she was like right back to being, you know, really good friends after looking at some pictures of herself. But, like, the emotion was still there. And that's that's a testament to Brie Larson being phenomenal at what she does. I thought it the... Her turn in the movie and how she decides to fight the uh, Supreme Intelligence and fight the Kree and help the Skrulls was a little strong for me was it in that i don't based on what we saw i don't think the scrolls are any less right or wrong like any less wrong in the situation uh the 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 lesson i would have liked to see on screen is that and i think this is what they're going for and i think this is what the kree scroll war will be more like as it moves forward and we hear more about it um, the, I don't think the Cree are necessarily all wrong. From the Cree's perspective, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. There are parts of people that are in the Cree that seem like they're super bad, like Ronan, obviously, and probably and probably Yonrog. They view the Skrulls as terrorists. The Skrulls view the Cree as a conquering force. And obviously, like, Ronan showing up and being willing to, like, destroy the Earth, I guess, on... That's not good. That's not good policy. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's an imperialism story. It's an imperialism yeah. story, and, and, and in many... In those sorts of imperial situations, it's not that all Kree are bad, necessarily. I mean, this is this is an, this can be an analog for America and any country that we've gone into in the last 30 years, you know? Um, oh, yeah. That's very much what it is. And we consider those people terrorists, which some of them are. And, I mean, Talos says this. He says, my hands are dirty, too. War does that yeah. to everyone. He says, you know, our, our, our hands are no less dirty than your own. I kind of wish it had walked a line a little better there. Uh, it, it seemed like once she found out that the scrolls had children in with them, that it was just like, instead of going, oh, they're people too, and maybe this is a two-sided war, she went, the Kree are bad, I'm going to kill a lot of them. <laughs> and she didn't kill Yonrog, so that was a little bit like, maybe, she said she, she was using him to send a message. Yep. Yep. If she's following Marvell's example, Marvell said she didn't want to win the war. She wanted to stop the war. She wanted to end it. Yeah. I almost feel like the, she didn't learn the right lesson 
for as the plot was told because like there's probably <laughs> families of Cree somewhere that are not part of the military industrial complex that are fine people but they're not you know part of the war <laughs> right you're gonna go back home and, and kill all the barbers on Hala because they were cutting the hair of the people that were you know that were waging this war is that what you're doing Carol yeah I feel like there could have been a more um <laughs> subtle way or more nuanced way of expressing th- this story she goes into her old salon and they're like why beers why and she's like because you're all bad well and, and you, you jo- you're joking about it but that's literally what they think the scrolls are doing and yep. maybe the scrolls are doing that the scrolls are infiltrating them the scrolls are attacking them yeah i mean this was just one little sect and he said that there are there are more of them scattered throughout the galaxy, you know, separated from each other. But what happens once they get, once they all link up together? Like once they get themselves back and, and into a, uh, into a, a, a more formative state, like then what? What are they going to do after that? Are they going to retaliate? Are they going to turn back and be like, you know what? Earth was a good spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's a great point. You know, I, I, I posted a video. Uh, yesterday, uh, asking which Avenger I thought was a scroll. And, uh, I ended up saying that I think Nick Fury is a scroll. After this movie, I don't think Nick Fury is a scroll, but like, I also don't necessarily think that all scrolls are good guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I still think that a scroll infiltration could be coming down the line. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's hard to say though. I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a big character. Um, might be easy to to be like, ah, Scroll kind of screwed up the Edward Norton transformation. Now he looks like Mark Ruffalo. Uh, but <laughs> you can't really make the transformation into the Hulk, you know, as a Scroll. So he's safe. <laughs> but then there's like, ah, he tried to look like Terrence Howard, and he ended up Don Cheadle. So you know, Rhodey's a Scroll. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they're going to go that route. I, I doubt that they will. No, um, man, that'd be silly. They, they they have to allow for actors to change and not try to explain it every time. You know what would be great? You know what would be absolutely great that that they would that they could do that would actually make a lot of sense. What's that? And and also kind of drive the whole political thing, the the political scare with Secret Invasion. Is if Thunderbolt Ross was a scroll? Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, no, I think that almost anyone that is not a main character of a movie could be a scroll and not have that huge of an impact. I thought that Fury would be a great call because, yeah, I, I lay it out in the video, but he, he I just think that he. While he's been around a lot, he's never been the protagonist. But I think that's not true anymore. I think in this movie, he was very much the protagonist. Yeah, he was a protagonist. Right. Yeah. He's not obviously he's not the number one protagonist, but he is. He you are seeing the movie through his eyes. Yeah, almost as much as you are her. Both of his eyes. Yeah, until, for most of it. Yeah, for most <laughs> of the film. I wonder if he had to start reading the script after that uh, that cat claw um, with one. One eye covered. Because <laughs> you remember, um, he couldn't remember his lines in the first movie. 
Yeah, I heard him talking about that recently. Yeah, he um, had to, it's because he, <laughs> he had one eye one eye covered when he was trying to you know do the do the lines like do the part, and he was like, I can't remember my lines, so he had to read them with one eye mm-hmm. covered. This is good stuff. Anyway, so Captain Marvel, right? Right. <laughs> so I I really really like the way that they handled showing the audience flashbacks of her life because you know so often it's like oh she's having a flashback and she's or you know the character's remembering this thing so we get to watch it too but she doesn't remember her past instead she gets to sit there and and have the scrolls pouring through her memories while we get to also watch that but have also this scroll uh, narrative or narration going along with it and like the scroll direction of like, I don't know if that's right. And then you get to see the kind of like where, where she's uncertain and where the certainty falters, like things just kind of shift in and out and like, Oh, was it that person or were they blue or who was there? And then, you know, you kind of see the, the, the workings of the mind and what she's been through kind of, you know, putting pieces together, trying to make sense of it all in the very, like in the very beginning of the movie. I really liked the way that they handled that. Interesting. I, I liked it. It was very confusing. And one of my favorite moments in the movie was when the scroll calls out how confusing this is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I love that so much. The, The scrolls discussing what was in her brain was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yep. Yep. I mean, oh, there's there's a really sexist thing that could be said right there. There is, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Good, Jeff. Good. You've grown. Now you yep. just say that there's lots of sexist thoughts in your brain. You're not actually saying the thoughts. No, I'm not saying the thought. I'm not even <laughs> saying that I'm having the thought. I'm just saying that it could go there. Oh, no. And, you, you know, you, once you address it in a meta way, that means that you are completely absolved of thinking of it. <laughs> You know, that's that's the rules. It's in the playbook. Oh man, uh, that's <laughs> reminds me of a Bo Burnham joke from one of his Netflix specials. He makes some r- not racist joke, but like it's a racial joke, I guess. Like there's some racial comment, and he's like, uh, he's like, it's okay. It's a it's it's racism. It's 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 meta racism. It's racism in the light of itself. So if you see three black men beating me up after the show, they're doing it ironically. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> if, if I'm being beaten by women, it's because they uh, also uh, thought that it was really funny. I doubt it. You earned every bit of that beating, I'm sure. That's probably true uh, for different reasons. But um, it would be really confusing to pour through the head of someone who had their memories completely wiped. Oh yeah, no, it's. Uh I I think that it is super fun seeing the scrolls. Honestly, the scrolls were super funny and like that, that was a good clue as to the fact that they were going to be the good guys in this movie, at least (laughs) because yeah, they weren't just like whatever would can, whatever would be a mustache for them twirling race of bad guys. It wasn't like, ah, let's paw through her memory so that we can learn the code to get the thing and the MacGuffin winner. (laughs) They they did a really good job playing them off as funny and and like, uh, it's sort of dopey in in places. Like, I just really liked the way they 
treated the scrolls. They were a lot of fun. One of my favorite lines in the in the movie was Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury saying, "Venus flytrap." I'll give you 50 bucks right now if you can turn into a Venus flytrap. <laughs> yeah. And I died. I love the look on Talos's face. Was it Talos? Is that his name? Talos, yeah. Yeah, I love the look on his face when he said that. It was just like, stop asking me questions about it. <laughs> I'm more than my transforming ability. Like, that's the, right. It, like, he, he kind of seemed like he was like, this happens every time humans learn about our ability. <laughs> Right? Every time somebody learns about this, it's oh, it's just question after question. Yeah. No, it doesn't do that. Yes, it does that. Why would I turn into a file cabinet? <laughs> Why would I turn into a file cabinet? <laughs> and, you know, me being a D&D player and DM, my first thought was uh, to be a mimic. Duh. Mm. Don't know what that means. The D&D players do. Yeah. yeah they're laughing with me. Nope. No one's laughing. Sorry, Jeff. Okay. You can't hear it because there's no D&D players there. Duh. That's true. (laughs) Um, Can't argue that logic. So. So Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel. um, I liked liked Captain Marvel. I think the thing with her in the trailer that you can't get. I, I don't think she was necessarily any better in the movie, but in the context... I think that her character made a lot more sense. She is just a sarcastic person. Yeah, she like, is such a smart ass. Yeah, and and so a lot of her lines, she is dripping with sarcasm, and that w- actually was a lot of what felt 90s about this movie to me, was how yeah. sarcastic she was. She felt like Daria with superpowers a little bit. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. That is what I've been, that's the point I've been trying to make my brain get to. I'm like, I know this character. I know I have, I have witnessed this sort of thing before. It's just now she has superpowers. Like, what the hell is it? It's Daria. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, man. She, she definitely just had that really dry wit and sort of making fun of everyone for saying anything. Like, it's it very, <laughs> it's very much that 90s disaffected. And he even calls her, he says you look like someone's disaffected niece. Yes. <laughs> Lose the flannel. You know what, man? It's been a while since I've been this excited about my own underwear. Really? You're yeah. not excited about your own underwear every single day of your life? No, man. Well, then you need more Mac Weldon in your life. That is the truth. Because Mac Weldon is better than whatever it is you're wearing right now. It's true. Mac Weldon is better than what I wear most of the time. Like, but I'm slowly collecting a collection of Mac Weldon clothes. So it's, uh, the wardrobe is getting better. The wardrobe is, like, <laughs> the wardrobe is on the up and up, yeah. if you will. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. And let me tell you about those premium fabrics being put to use recently, sir. Yeah, tell me all about it, man. I've been courted recently by uh, by a, a, another company that I do not yet work for, um, but they wanted to they wanted to kind of grill me in in the last interview that I had. But I was wearing my Mack Weldon boxers, mm-hmm. so nothing could grill me, sir. I was no. in the lap of luxury. 
you know, she suggested that I that I wear the Mack Weldon polo that I got because it's the uh, the silver line and the antimicrobial. And I was like, oh, no, it's it's just a polo. Like I need to dress up a little bit more. I regret not wearing that polo because I would have been in even more comfort. That's that's the cool thing. It's it's very comfortable. And you'd think, you know, oh, it's a hoodie. I can't look that nice in a hoodie. But man, the hoodie that I got is super nice. Um, I just really, really like it. it. It makes me look more put together than I normally do, which is impressive for like just a really soft hoodie. Yeah, for a hoodie to make you look more put together, that's that's kind of like that's testament to the, the to the designer for sure. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. That's right. They do all those things. Not just underwear, but all those things. Um, And like Jeff mentioned, they have a silver line of underwear that is antimicrobial, which means it eliminates odor and you won't smell as much. And we we men have a problem with that. (laughs) We're kind of known for it. Yeah, we are. We are. So if you... uh, would like to order some of these underwear, go do it and use the code MCUcast. You get 20% off your first order at Mac Weldon if you use the promo code MCUcast at checkout. It supports our show and gets you some great underwear at a great price. And uh, the website's really easy. You know, sometimes that really is a barrier for me. And it shouldn't be because these are these clothes are absolutely worth going and like buying from this website. It's a very easy to use interface and a great shopping experience. So go check it out. MacWeldon.com. Use the promo code MCUcast to get 20% off your first order. I thought the scene could have been directed better because I wanted it to be a little more musical, like the, the actions on screen. But when I'm just a girl came on for the, for the final fight sequence, Oh yeah, when she was fighting against the uh, the Star Force, I loved the music drop there of yeah. of no doubts. I'm just a girl. This whole movie is full of great '90s, like honestly, mostly female music. It was it all female music? Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, almost entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might have been all female '90s artists. That's amazing. I'm not sure if it was all. I have to go back and look. But yeah, I think I can't remember. No, it was Come As You Are. That's exactly the part that I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, but it was it was predominantly female, and it was all nineties, and it just the it was great. It was super fun. Is it my era of music that I grew up listening to? It's a lot of fun stuff, and my favorite my favorite needle drop was the "I'm Just a Girl." But I thought the scene was directed. I thought it could have been a classic scene if she had been using the powers a little more to the beat or they had it just honestly if like I hate to say it but if like James Gunn or uh, someone like that had directed this scene or Edgar Wright like I would have really liked the scene like an Edgar Wright directed scene where Captain Marvel learns to harness her powers and I'm just a girl comes on like that was that could have been really really cool (laughs) yeah and it was I still enjoyed it but it almost felt like the music was disconnected from the other aspects of the editing just in that particular scene or overall the, the entire movie but in that scene i thought it could have been like amazing if they had done some a little more work to sync up the music and the editing would have yeah. made that scene like 
a classic scene. Like it would have been amazing. It would have been, Oh, I love Captain Marvel. And I was enjoy, I enjoyed the scene. It was fine. But when that, I wish they'd done a little more in, I would say, I wish they'd been a little more intentional in making the directing and editing of that scene line up with the, the, the needle drop of that song. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they didn't have that song at first. It felt like when that needle dropped, it felt like, oh, this is where the movie comes together. I mean, she broke, she breaks out. She becomes Captain Marvel. Like literally, and then like she shows up and they're like, you're glowing, (laughs) which I like. (laughs) Um, and then I, and then that, that happens and it could have been like, oh crap. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't. It's it's a small thing, but every time I wish every one of those blasts that come out of her hands had been like on the beat. That's what that's the way James Gunn and Edgar Wright would have directed that scene, you know. Yep, um, yep, I do, and I do and not that. that every director has to do that kind of a thing. It just would have been a great moment, and I and they they didn't, you know. <laughs> you think maybe that you're thinking it would have been a great moment because you like those two directors so much, and that's how they would have done it? No, I think that. I see it being good that way, and I think I like those two directors because they do things like that. <laughs> Not, I don't, I don't want it to be that way because I like those well, directors. This movie wasn't for you, Matt. Well, that's that's mean to say. I liked the movie. <laughs> it's not just that scene for wasn't for you. Yeah, I, just, I, uh, I felt like yeah. it could have been though. It could have really been yeah. for me. I, uh, I I keep thinking of the uh, the Punisher season one trailer when they synced up the uh, the drums from the from Metallica the yeah. what, one from Exa- the song one exactly when they synced that up to the to the gunfire like that's that's what I'm thinking of with like syncing up the music to it and I I gotta say that would have been really cool yeah in that particular just, scene there was so much percussive going on with her throwing people around the room and her blasting the the fists were like blasting blasts left and right and if all that had lined up with the beat of i'm just a girl for like a good like minute and a half it would have been it would have been amazing yeah i mean yeah. It, it's the it, there's a lot of scenes like that from those two directors from edgar wright and james gunn where they just really embrace the music and i'm thinking of like I mean, uh, like, like, like Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> yes, obviously Mr. Blue Sky, but that's just dancing. But, but while he, while he's dancing around, all of the other things in the scene are also going to the beat. Like people yeah. are slapping to the ground and flying around in Guardians 2 that happens. And then, uh, in Guardians 2 as well, when, um, Yondu is killing everyone with, with an arrow, like the music is happening while like everyone's falling around them. It's just, that kind of editing is really beautiful. As as a music guy myself, I just I just want everything to sync well, and I I thought it was a missed opportunity. Not to harp on it, just when it happened, I was like, oh, they're gonna do this, and then they didn't. It, it just was kind of like, oh, it's a fight scene set to "I'm Just a Girl," but not really set to "I'm Just a Girl." But it's still, it's still great. Yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> just just could have been better. Uh, there's also well, what else? I also really would have liked to have seen. It would have been very expected. Like it wouldn't have been too surprising. But there's a few like missed opportunities from the basic directing and pacing of this movie. Like Carol Danvers falling from the sky and she can't fly yet. Like that. That was that was a really nice moment. Yeah. And then she activates and and then and then they cut away. 
And then they showed. Yeah, it kind of looked like she hit the ground and then burrowed through and then, you know, exploded out somewhere. Oh, that's that's kind of what I was led to oh, believe. I, I like, think that. She kind of cratered or something no, because it cut away. Her eyes activated right before she hit the ground. I thought she just started flying. Cause, but then it cuts away to her again, and she is. She's flying around and everything. And then it shows her flying, and they're like, what is that? Da, da, da. What I would have rather them do right there, it, just for a nice, epic, like, stand-in-the-way moment, is uh, they should have waited just like a couple beats later, like, let the let them continue to dogfight or whatever and then let Ronan fire those missiles and if the first time we had seen her was to stop that missile from hitting Earth and turn it around and throw it at the other missiles that's the first flying moment we see of her that would have been really rad too <laughs> because because we just I don't know it, it would have been like we don't know how what we see her activate and then it just cuts away and yeah. if she'd shown up, maybe it's only like a minute later. If she'd just shown up, like, no, you will not destroy my planet. Stop the missile. Turn it around. Throw it back. Like, I don't know. There, there's just a few little things. It's it's weird to get real specific with director's notes, but I was like, <laughs> some of these some of these scenes didn't feel as thought through as I would have liked them. And I mean, obviously, they didn't feel like they didn't do what I would have done, which is not to say that's right. But I just felt like there were certain things that could have been really epic that were kind of left on the table. Uh, okay. Okay. Cause it's those iconic moments that make us think back at these movies and go, it's, it's those moments of like Tony and cap where Tony is blasting cap shield in civil war, or it's the, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 it's cap saying, uh, I could do this all day in the first Iron Man we think or cap jumping on the grenade like there's those very key moments that like when we think about a character we connect it that character with these very key moments and and it, and it, and it engenders like some feeling about who that person is you know and and yeah. I don't as much as I enjoyed this movie, I didn't feel like there were enough of those moments for me to think about who is Captain Marvel. And think there's not there's not one moment in this that I'm like, that's who Captain Marvel is, you know. Not even the uh, the part where she's towing a spaceship into hyperspace, towing a spaceship into hyperspace. Uh, no, uh, I, I didn't. <laughs> right at the end, yeah, she's like, I'm gonna take them to a different planet, and then she's flying alongside it, and then they go super fast, and I'm like. Did she go super fast? Yeah, I didn't th- even think she had towed them into hyperspace. I thought she got in the ship and it went to hyperspace. Now she was flying along in front of them, and they disappeared mm. all at the same time. Yeah, I was a little confused by that when I watched it, but I thought that it looked like she flew, because he does a little finger wave, like like a little, get, I thought it was get in the vehicle, like, come on. <laughs> Wheels up, let's go. That's what it looked like. He does this little like finger wave, and then she goes around the ship, and then the ship goes into hyperspace. I thought she just got in. Yeah, didn't look like it though. So I, I don't uh, know. we'll have to, we'll have to go back and see. Uh, gotta watch it tomorrow. Does she have the ability to go to hyperspace or like go, you know, light speed by herself? I wouldn't put it past her. Um, but I just thought that <laughs> yeah, was considering. I thought that might be the the engine. That they're talking. Oh, you know, she does. Uh, 
at one point use her powers to power up Yonrog's ship. Yeah. I wonder if that's what she was doing. Like, because mm. that's the whole thing. They didn't have the power core to oh, yeah, she was, make the ship. She was infused with the energy by the core. Yeah. Or so by the, the, the engine. I thought all, by the way, all the Tesseract stuff was super fun in this movie. Wasn't it? I really loved the, um, what was it? You want to arm wrestle for the Tesseract? <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's, it's, that's probably one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Really loved you want to arm wrestle for the Tesseract. And it's right before the, I'm just a girl drop. Like I was like so on board in that moment. And then I, and then I kind of felt like they're missing a big opportunity here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, yeah, I really liked liked that line though, and her just cutely sitting on the edge, like she's just so sarcastic and smarmy, and I, I, and I perfect in every way. Yeah, I like her character a lot. It it reminds me <laughs> of the my dream girl from my teenage years in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like that's very yeah. Much, she's the yeah. she's the dream. She <laughs> I hate to say this, and it's not it's not a romantic movie, so um. So it doesn't fall into this trap, but she is kind of my manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> you know, you always have the manic pixie dream girl in every yep. romantic comedy, and it's sort of a trope. But in this movie, it wasn't played for romance. She's just her own manic pixie dream girl. She's like, there you go. <laughs> she is her own person that is doing her own thing. I just, I liked it a lot. Oh, and speaking of, uh, we you were talking about some of the political and social commentary my favorite part was the part uh at the end where yon rog is trying to gaslight her so hard yep i love that like, so much you made me so proud yeah you've really come into your own and taking control and you know you can't let your emotions get the best of you and you know i've always said that you you'd be ready on the day that you could knock me on my butt without your powers so you know let's do that let's <laughs> let's do that fight please he's trying to manipulate her and tying one hand behind her back and she does not fall for it and i really liked that yeah she just blasts the shit out of him yeah it was great. nothing to prove to you and then where it looks like she's gonna help him up she just grabs him and drags him back to the ship yeah and he's just like well uh, i guess i'm on the ground for now what's her message Chill. that she says to send to the oh yeah she says she's gonna be there and stop this war yeah i'm gonna come back and dismantle the whole thing or whatever it was that she said yeah, which is interesting. I'm very interested to see where, like, what are we going to, are we going to know anything about that? Are they going to jump forward 20 years or whatever? And <laughs> she's going to come back in, uh, in Avengers Endgame and we're going to be like, what did you do? Yeah, we really don't know what she did. Like, it's been what, 20 years. What did, she, what did you do to Annette Benning? And we know, like, she's very powerful. Um, yeah, she's super OP. Yes. I wouldn't say she's even overpowered. She's just very powerful. Yeah, I just, I, 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 it seems like she could go out and probably take down the Kree Empire if she wanted to. But is that what she wants? And I hope she finds a way of seeing there's two sides to the war. I think that would be a better moral than kind of where this movie left off. It's just like. Uh, the yeah. the smaller force is probably right because they're losing and there's children on that side. Like there's probably children on both sides. 
no, it's uh, the Kree just had no more children, so they were hoping that the Skrulls would transform into children so that they could then raise them, uh, and then just kind of recycle the Skrulls through you know the the children uh, aging process and mm-hmm. just kind of you know have that be the thing, and they didn't like it. You know, they were like, you know what? I don't want to be a kid the whole time. I don't care that you can't have babies. You've gone way too far on this, uh, this joke, is a joke theory. Hell of a tangent, man. <laughs> I know. I was letting you. I was going to let you burn yourself out, but you just weren't. You just were continuing it's, going. I'm, I'm going to make a whole new movie about it. <laughs> it's going to be the origin of the Kreese Girl War. Uh, I want to talk about the plot line behind who did Phil Coulson's AI or not AI uh, CGI on his face. And how it looked like he was wearing several layers of masks. Oh yeah, you didn't you didn't like his CGI. Uh, there there were parts where his CGI was fantastic, and he had like one or two lines, and it was like really really good on his on his CGI. But then like uh, in in the base in the Project Pegasus base. Um, when he's standing in the, in the in the stairwell at the top, pointing his gun at at uh, at Fury and Carol, and he just looks looks at Fury and then drops his gun, and then they just kind of give that whole like understanding nod. I'm like, whose face did they slap on this guy? Because that's not that's not Coulson. Interesting. It didn't bother me. Never bothered it's me. It's like the 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 CGI just kind of like was bad for a bit and then he turned his head and it was good again. Yeah. Just didn't look like him. Huh. That didn't bother me, but I, I hear you. I'm not I I don't notice that stuff as much. You notice the music a lot. I do. I notice the visual effects, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, generally the visuals don't bother me much when there's a little small problem or whatever. Um I I, I care more about the moments, I guess. But uh, you know, Phil, 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 not looking like Phil is distracting for sure. But I, I didn't, it didn't, didn't hit me. Didn't notice it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? So how I, I'm interested in Marvell. Yep. Because she apparently existed on Earth, and as far as I can tell, probably had communication with Howard Stark. Oh, what, what would make you think that? Because Howard Stark had the Tesseract at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger. What would make you think that? <clears throat> and then uh, <laughs> and then it was passed, well, apparently, to Marvel. It could have gone through some other hands, or it could have just been with S.H.I.E.L.D. all that time, and she was working for Project Pegasus. Yeah, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. had it, is the, the big thing. Um, you know, Howard Stark had it at the end of uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, but he was working with S.H.I.E.L.D., so it, or well, he was working with uh, the SSR that that turned into S.H.I.E.L.D., and so it's, you know, we're left to assume that it's just been in their hands the whole time, and maybe because she was working on Project Pegasus, you know, that that, that was where she got access to it, and, you know, was able to draw power from it and do all the things. Yeah, um, I just think that that's interesting that she's probably been around 
she was probably around when when that was all going down. It's, it, especially if she's been on Earth long enough to achieve a rank that would allow her access to Project Pegasus or or to 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 do Project Pegasus. It seemed like it seemed almost like Project Pegasus and Shield were two different things at this point. Um, could have been because could have been. yeah, we're we're just we ne- we never knew that. Um, it never said anything about Shield at that facility. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that facility was a joint, um, a joint initiative. That's right. I don't remember exactly. Uh, I remember in. I remember it's the first thing we see in Avengers One. Yep. Yep. It was. Yeah. It was that. Um, oh my goodness! It was that facility that Loki showed up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the joint dark energy. Oh, damn it. What was it? Joint Dark Energy Mission Facility. Yeah. It makes me, it just makes me wonder, like, does someone at S.H.I.E.L.D. or someone on that, at that facility, who knows, Hank Pym, whoever, um, Agent Carter, like, who there might be in contact with Marvell in the, in the, you know, 80s and 90s and letting her use the Tesseract to build this light ship to save these scrolls. You know, thinking on it, the Tesseract was not, uh, not about powering things to do fast things. It was just about opening portals. Well, in space, that may, that's possible. Not really. Um, I mean, we, <laughs> we we saw it used in a lot of different ways. And one of the things they talk about in Avengers is just that it's like an unlimited source of power. Well, yeah, they did that in, in Captain America, the first Avenger. And then in Avengers, they talked about it being an unlimited source of power. But then, like, once, once uh, Thanos got his hands on it, it was... This is supposed to be used for teleportation. It's the space stone, right? Sure, sure, sure. But I just think that it seemed like uh, they were, they were building these faster than light drives, um, using it using it as a power source, not necessarily as a way of skipping across the universe. That's, I mean, they were doing it wrong. Then they were yeah. going about it in they, the wrong way. They probably were. They probably were. <laughs> I mean, someone at some point put the stone into the Tesseract, it seems. And the Tesseract was using it. It, it seems like it, it converted it, its raw energy into some sort of power. Yeah, it's... It, the the movie science doesn't really make a lot of sense. Sure, sure. But it's still, so it's we kind of have to, to talk like, about that. Yeah, we have to kind of like put the pieces together in our head. Yeah, for sure. Little little bit of headcanon for the for the Tesseract, but it's fine. Because yeah. uh the whole MCU is amazing. <laughs> and it's it's really been the, the one major through line through the whole thing, right? It's been the Tesseract the whole time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, it's been there since the first Avenger and of the first Avengers movie. And uh yeah. Really, really thought that was cool that the Tesseract showed up as as one of the MacGuffins in the film. That's cool. Kind of, yeah. kind of weird, almost. Uh, I liked that it was so nonchalant. Like, oh, it's the Tesseract. That's a big yeah. deal. But they also didn't focus on. It. I mean, it was the MacGuffin at the end, but it wasn't like they didn't have to re-explain it. It was just like, oh, that's the Tesseract. 
Yep. Dive in. It's a power source. Go. <laughs> yeah, they they thought absolutely nothing of it other than, you know, Brie Larson, Captain Marvel saying, like, oh, she called it the Tesseract. Like, Marvel fans are sitting in their seat going, oh, my God, it's right there. Yeah, it's an Infinity Stone, uh, right? which, you know, one of the theories about Endgame is possible time travel to go back to different points where the Infinity Stones would be more easily easy to acquire um, to keep them out of Thanos' hands. That's one theory I've heard kicking around, and this seems like a pretty easy time to go back and get the... Get the stone yeah. if they needed to. I mean, it was just sitting on Fury's desk after a pukey kitty. Yeah, it's true. But no, who know? Nobody knew it was there. So, but it, 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 it there's probably paperwork saying where it was during Project Project Pegasus. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's paperwork that it was sitting on top of. Yes, getting all sticky. So gross. <laughs> it was so gross, and like. I, I had a I had an issue, a slight issue with with continuity there. I was like, oh, I guess flurkin saliva and bile is enough to keep the tesseract from burning through the desk and paperwork because mm. you know it burned through the uh, the floor of the plane in the first Avenger and then fell into the ocean. Yeah, I, I, that I would say that's because it had just been active. It just uh, it just teleported good old yeah, good old red bones across the <laughs> across was, the universe. It was it was cooling down. Just so, needed to take a good bath. I mean, it seems like it maybe it was maybe the energy was still coursing through it and it just burned through whatever it was burned burning through. I don't know. That's a that's a little bit of a head cannon, but because there's yeah. various times that people hold the tesseract throughout the cannon. I'm trying to think. It's mostly been powerful people that right. have been able to hold it. Right. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to go back and look. But it seems like it's definitely been held in some ways. So, yeah. not not a problem for me. Well, when Fury grabs it in Avengers, he's like, he's, it's like it burns his fingers as he's putting it into the, into the briefcase. And he's like, oh, God, ow, Jesus, ow, it's hot. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember that. I mean, he doesn't say that, but he, you know, he does the ow kind of motion. Um, and then in this movie, he was like, I'm not touching it. <laughs> yeah. Things super powerful. No. She's like, do you, do you want me to give you an oven mitt? <laughs> that, was, that was real funny. Uh, uh, real funny. He didn't want to, <laughs> he didn't want to touch it outside of the lunchbox. <laughs> yeah. Outside of the Fonz lunchbox. Yeah. I wish they'd been uh, more, yeah. Huh? I wish they'd been more nineties with that, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of uh, that kind of sets the should have saved by the Bell lunchbox. <laughs> I mean, they already mentioned Fresh Prince. Yeah, I, I like that they mentioned Fresh Prince. That was fun. I kept forgetting this was in the nineties, and then they would say one of those things like, "Oh yeah, that's right. This is in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it kind of, you know, the, the, the things that are on that, uh, that floating laboratory would have uh, been from 89 or, or further back, I guess. Yeah. They were, they were older items. So that 
that kind of shows like how long they've been floating up there because like Space Invaders pinball machine, the Fonz uh, lunchbox. That's a, good, that's a good point. That's a good point. It, well, we know that uh, it had to have been at least 89 because that's when Marvel disappeared. So I'm assuming right. those people have been just like up on that station since 89. Not getting any sort of uh, communication out or in or really anything. They, they are scrolls. It's possible they know how to operate the station and had a way down. Like it was a big Cree ship. So it's possible that there was some sort of like shuttle they could take down to earth. Maybe they infiltrated regularly to get supplies and whatnot. <laughs> Who's going on a beer run? <laughs> is it, is it Talos? Talos is going on a beer run. All right. Yeah. Who are you going to be this time? And then they, they have a big wheel, and they just spin it. It's like, ah, he's the senator! Yeah! Any other any other points you want to make about Captain Marvel? I'm sure we'll think on it more and come back in a couple of days with more talk about Captain Marvel, but... I mean, at first... Like, knee-jerk response at first glance, at first on first watch, initial reaction was, wow, that's a spectacle. Uh, especially in the in the final sequence where she's blowing up the the missiles, throwing them at each other, crashing through a ship, uh, the like the big ship, and and tearing it apart, and you know taking out a fleet of smaller ships and really like putting the putting the screws to to Ronan the Accuser there, like she's super powerful, and that's going to be really great to see her butt heads with somebody that's as powerful as like Thor. You know, yeah, and like have them be be content in contention with each other for at least a little bit, and just kind of watch the uh, especially um, after in Thor Ragnarok where he was like, oh yeah, the women Valkyries, uh, it's about time, you know, female warriors, yeah, like watching him stumble like that over it, and then come into like, oh shit, this girl is like as powerful, or this this woman. Excuse me. This woman is as powerful as me, or more powerful. And like that, how do I feel about that? You know, like, how, well, what does that do for my hammer? Well, it doesn't matter what it does for your hammer. You know, like she doesn't give a shit. It's not about her. It's about how you feel about it. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I, I'm I'm pumped to see what uh. How she stacks up against the other characters. She definitely seemed, I mean, she's a Superman level hero. Yeah, exactly. The way she's flying around. We've never seen that in, uh, in Marvel anything. All of these things we've seen, we've never seen a person flying that way, like without a suit. And apparently even in space, like she is our Superman at this point. I'm, I'm really pumped to see what she, how, how, what she adds to, um, to the story, and, and in a lot of ways, it seems almost like uh, like we've been building all almost all the heroes seem street level compared to her. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might be a little bit difficult to see what uh, what would really give her a challenge in like a, a, a follow up film and a sequel because uh, there, you know it. This is something that uh, that that my wife said uh, after you know when we were on our way home is that it didn't really seem like she had a struggle in the film, mm. and the like there was a conflict yes but it didn't get solved through struggle it just got kind of solved by her being a mostly good person right well 
Um, <clears throat> I think there was lots of struggle in this movie, uh, physical, but not after she got all her powers. Uh, yeah. Throughout the yeah. movie, they did a really like intentional job of muting her powers. Beginning, she's not using her powers by choice. Then her hands are in weird gauntlets that keep her from using her powers. And then the next fight scene, she still doesn't know how to use her powers. Like she just keeps, I don't know, learning more about her powers. And then it, once she fully powers up in that scene where right before they play, I'm just a girl, like. Where she, she finally becomes binary. Right. Uh, she becomes the full powered Captain Marvel. And she can't even, she's still completely out of control. She's still learned to con- control it. Which yeah. she's, she's blasting those blasts and it's blowing her across the room, you know? Yeah, it's blowing her across the room and she's surprised, like, how do I control these fire hoses out of my fist? Yeah, but once she gets that under control and just goes all out and attacks the Kree, I don't know who stops her. It's, it's yeah. going to have to be somebody mighty powerful. Mighty powerful. Or or they're going to have to give her some weaknesses or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only real weakness I could, I could think of that uh, would kind of immediately cripple her is a mental attack. And nobody really affects the mind. Well, Scarlet Witch. Other than Scarlet Witch. Well, yeah. she's not around. She's not around. Well, that's, she's dust. That, that's true. That's true. So they're going to have to introduce some X-Men, get some Professor Xavier going up in here. I know it's up to Sony, um, and that it wasn't Marvel's choice, but I'm kind of annoyed after seeing this that we have a, we have all these trailers for Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it, we still wouldn't know that we're getting these people back. Like, Fury's gone, you know, right now. Yeah, and I didn't. But we know he's got to come back. She shows up in the in the mid credits stinger and says, "Where's Fury?" And they're gonna have to tell her that you know, Thanos snapped, and uh, you know, whoops. Yeah. Well, she probably already knows. She's been out in the galaxy. Seems like it'd probably taken a couple of days or weeks for them to get that uh, get her signal responded to, and um, yeah. Seems like seems like she probably would know by now that half the galaxy is missing. So <laughs> she's looking around like there's a lot of a lot of ash around here. I just don't remember there being. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that's about all for us tonight. We'll be back in a couple Sorry. days with uh, with more Captain Marvel talk and your feedback. So uh, send in your feedback. Let us know what you thought of Captain Marvel, and we will uh, talk about it on a future episode. And we'll do a, a, a lot of times in these movies, we do a couple of um, feedback episodes. So please let us know what you thought. If you have any theories you want to discuss, I'm sure we didn't get to everything we should have because it's late and we've only seen it once. But we will. We will we'll, we'll be back with lots more. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash mcucast, and you can get early and ad-free access by supporting there uh, for any amount. And there's some cool rewards and stuff, so please check that out when you can. Uh, Thank you very much. Peace. Until next time, true believers.